Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. In this week's program, we preview Rugby League's opening Four Nations test. The former New Zealand cricket captain John Reid labels the Bangladesh tour the lowest point in New Zealand's cricket history. We hear from the New Zealand Olympic Committee's newly appointed Secretary-General, look back over the season that revitalised Southland rugby, and hear from Waikato Rugby's chainsaw man who's calling it quits after 20 years. The New Zealand Rugby League team kick off their Four Nations campaign against England in Wellington, a match which marks 100 years since the first league test was played in this country. The world champion Kiwis will be after payback for their unceremonious dumping from last year's tournament at the hands of England. The Kiwis player Isaac Luke spoke to Joe Porter about how New Zealand's plotting revenge and his thoughts on lining up against good friend and South Sydney teammate the England second rower Sam Burgess. Sam Burgess, sort of said he's coming to get you, mate. What do you have to say about that? So what he said. So he said this morning. Nah, I know what he's like. He won't come towards me. He's too silly to do that. Yeah, no, we're pretty close. Pretty close, yeah. He's a really good friend of mine and we went through a whole season and done well together, so no, we're good to go against him. It's going to be a crack up, actually. He says you are a bit stronger than you look. What do you put that down to, mate? You're a bit of a monster in the gym, eh? Nah, I don't. I hate the gym, the gym. Don't like the gym? Just natural, bro. Nah. <laughs> Just get them when they're tired. And Gary's on there, breeze on everyone, so they fall off everything. You talked about your speed out of dummy half. You'd be looking to eat up some metres on the weekend? Um, I've come off the beat, so. Hopefully, hopefully I get on and try and change, change, change the tempo of the games. Be good. Apart from Sammy, what sort of strengths do the English team have that you've seen so far? No, on the other side they got that Gareth Ellis. No, ben, I think Benji knows a lot about him. I think he knows how he plays. No, we've given our little tips about Sammy and, and, and Gareth. No, we're just going to see how they play on the weekend. No, they drew against the Maldives, so no, obviously that's a sign. Hopefully, um, but no, they're going to put up a different team and they're going to be a totally different side to the Samoan team we played. Are you looking forward to playing in Wellington? Yeah, I haven't played here since I was like 17 years old. Played against big money and we beat them too. So <laughs> I've got a record on down here. That's going good day. On the weekend, obviously coming off the bench looking to provide some impact. The NRL guys from the English side of things said they've given their coach a few tips about how to mark up on you. <laughs> Have you guys said the same things about them? We're worried about ourselves. Now we've got a lot of improvement to do from, from the weekend's game and a lot of combinations we need to get used to and try and find a few formulas to hopefully um, you know, bond with, with the boys. Uh, we haven't really played with uh, Feeney and, uh, and Tommy. They didn't play in that an Anzac test, so hopefully we can get that going during the week and hopefully come out on, the, on Saturday firing. What about your game? What do you want to do on Saturday night to stamp your mark? Because I have to go by instinct. Hopefully I see some people lying on the ground. I can go, but at the moment just worried about a lot, a lot of the personal things and uh, individual efforts I need to put in into to helping the king. Are you guys feeling like a cohesive unit? The boys have come together well? Yeah, uh, from day one actually. It's good to have uh, Jeremy Smith back as well. They don't have to listen to Adam Blair on the mic all the time. 
it's a bit annoying. Some of the older boys have come back now and put them in their place, have they? Oh, we've got a bit of mix in our youth and, and old. So, and it's good to get, actually get back in, into camp, see all the brothers. It's hard to actually catch up with everyone when you're in your, uh, your clubs. How many kicks does Benji have to miss before you take over? <laughs> oh, we'll see. I don't, I don't think he'll, he'll miss this week. He's, he's been hitting them pretty sweet lately. Just, obviously, that first one was a bit bit down, but you know, we'll be practicing. We didn't really practice as much as we did last year, oh, last week, so we've been doing a lot of practice today, and next few days, hopefully, we can get some over. And you had some of the rugby boys watching you train at a rugby league fight today? Oh, I've seen a few of them in the window, but I don't know if they're watching. Did you have a chat to Ma? Nah, no. Ma, we've been a laugh there for I've caught up with them in, the, in Aussie when they played. Wallabies. So you're looking forward to it this weekend? Yeah, I just want to get out there. Eh? Another 41 days since we last played our club game, and uh, hopefully we can get back out there and hopefully lift off where we lift off. That's Kiwis hooker Isaac Luke talking to Joe Porter. And just on the Four Nations, the dual international Lottie to Kerry will become the first code crosser to play Test Rugby League for Australia for a second time, having returned from Rugby Union. To Kerry's been named in the Kangaroo side for the first time in eight years after being chosen in Australia's Four Nations team to play Papua New Guinea. Takiri is one of five new faces in Tim Sheens' team. Rugby league historian Bernie Wood tells me that while no New Zealand rugby players achieved the feat, 90 years ago All Black Ned Hughes did go from rugby union to league and back again to union. Hughes played for the All Blacks in 1907, the Kiwis in 1910 and the All Blacks again in 1921 when at 40 years and 123 days old, became the oldest person to play a test for the All Blacks. That record still stands. And Sonny Williams is the first player to be a Kiwi, then an All Black, although current All Blacks like Brad Thorne did play for the Australian Rugby League side, then the All Blacks before returning to league, where he played at state origin level for Queensland, before coming back to Rugby Union again. You're listening to Extra Time, a web-only programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. The New Zealand cricket great John Reid says the game here is at an all-time low after the Black Caps 4-0 one-day series whitewash in Bangladesh. Reid rates the result against the minnows of world cricket, even below New Zealand's 26-run total against England 55 years ago. That's the lowest total in an innings in Test cricket. And while it was set 50 years ago, it still stands. Couldn't be darker days at all. I've... uh... I've been saying for some time that there needs to be changes, and the changes are that the guys have stopped making the same mistakes year after year. That's technical. You know, the coaches are, I don't know what they're doing, but you get guys getting out the same way, so it's technical. And uh, see the abject way they're, they're trying to play left-hand spin bowlers. I couldn't believe it. But is it coaching the, 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 simply the problem? No, you can't blame the coach, although um, um, he's got to indicate that if guys get out the same way <clears throat> a couple of times, not over 15 years get out the same way. I've been watching this for some time, and I can't believe the way guys are pushing forward when they should be looking to play more shots off the back foot, for heaven's sake. I can't, I, you know, the, the, the technique is lacking. Simple as that. Does this rank worse than that 26 oh yeah 26 was a we were half and half it was one of the one of the things that um we've got to live with but it was one of those one of those things it happens in cricket no doubt about it so no excuses it's just one of those things that happened and i suppose the factor is too it's not just a case of losing a game to bangladesh it's 
getting trounced 4-0 in a series. That's the whole thing in, in the minnows of, of world cricket. Bangladesh, I've been there. I played there in 1955 when it was eastern Pakistan. And I've been back there twice as a referee. And really, they're not up to it. And, and <clears throat> now they get beaten four zip. Boy, who's not up to it? You know, I'm not interested in seeing New Zealand top batsmen make the same mistakes and play Mickey Mouse shots. Top batsmen uh, are just not, not concentrating or not doing the right thing, playing the right shots. I mean, there's plenty of, uh, of avenues for, for cricket shots in 50 over, 50 over cricket. 20 over cricket is a bit different. You've got to have a whack and hit it round, uh, you know, um, hit it round the park if you can. But 50 overs, you've got a chance of playing some decent cricket, um, as a lot of the top batsmen um, have have proved in the world. But but uh, New Zealand batsmen just take one shot from probably the best batsman in New Zealand, Taylor. He gets a long hop from a left-hand slow bowler and hits it straight down leg, deep square leg. Come on, you could hit any bloody where. The Bangladeshis have shown the Black Caps how to play the basics of the game, and exactly. the exactly. other concern I, I would have thought was their standard of fielding was so much better than the Black Caps. Well, how can that happen? Because you know we've got we've got all sorts of uh, coaches roaming round. You know we've been able to throw <coughs> cricket balls or any sort of ball from the age of five pretty accurately. I was talking to former New Zealand cricket captain John Reid. You're listening to Extra Time, a web-only programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. The New Zealand Olympic Committee's named Karen Smith as their new Secretary-General. Ms Smith will be the first woman to lead the organisation. She's currently Chief Executive of the Academy of Sport South Island and the Vice President of the International Netball Federation. She has over 20 years in sports management and governance at both national and international level. Barry Guy spoke with her and asked what interested her about the top job at the Olympic Committee. Obviously the opportunity presented itself with um, Barry's retirement and, and yeah, just saw the opportunity is exciting. It's, you know, it's a diverse organisation um, and, and you know, having followed a career in sports leadership in New Zealand, it was um, certainly something that seemed to be you know, an opportunity that I would really relish. So yeah, here I am. The challenge perhaps appears to me would be further down uh, sort of the uh, the order of sport within New Zealand. I mean, mm. work being the head of the NZOC seems to be more just uh, um, getting teams to games. So correct me there. Am I wrong? Am I? Well, I mean, that's a substantial part of the organisation is around, um, you know, obviously being involved in the, the selection and, and logistics and, and the games team preparation and performance. So there's, that's a really important part of what the organisation does. Um, and, I mean, that is obviously for Winter and Summer Olympics as well as Commonwealth Games, as well as Youth Games, and there's some other youth um, festivals that are also on the horizon now as well. So, so that's quite a demanding portfolio when you put all those together. Um, so that's a significant piece of work and focus for the organisation. And as well as that, plays a really important role in terms of um, selling the benefits and values of sport to young people and quite a comprehensive programme through schools and the museum and the like, um, which is, um, underpins the work of the um, New Zealand Olympic Committee. Uh, money, I suppose, is uh, a key issue, and it has been, I, I'm assuming, in, in recent years for everyone. Um, 
having worked at Spark before, you know, you have to have close relations with them. How, mm. how do you see that going? Yeah, I mean, that's a, you know, obviously Spark and NZOC have worked um, increasingly closely in recent years, and um, the relationship there is integral in terms of, you know, a real smooth transition for sport and their funding and, and resources and personnel from their day-to-day programs into a games environment and ensuring continuity and success. So there's, there's some really important relationships around that. Um, the, the Olympic Committee doesn't receive substantial funding from the government, and so important in all of that mix is um, relationships in the commercial sector as well as um, international global relationships and working with sports. So there's, there's quite a diverse range of relationships there that are important to the success of the organisation. Um, ethics and the likes have been talked about a lot in mm. recent times. I mm. suppose that's something that's uh, key with the uh, Olympism and all those sorts of things. Yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, the whole concept of values and ideals is a really important part of New Zealand sport and international sport. And from time to time that gets challenged and tested, but fundamentally, you know, it's about the value of sport to society, the importance and, and the opportunity that sport has for individuals to transform and galvanise communities and countries. So the power and potential of sport in that context is, is really important. Does, is New Zealand uh, struggling to keep up um, with the rest of the world when it comes to the like of uh, the Olympics and Commonwealth Games? In respect of performances? Yes. Or, I would not, not have thought so. Um, I can't recall um, particularly the last um, cha- sort of table of um, medal kind of um, averages, for want of a better term, in the Olympics. But it was, you know, New Zealand does particularly well per head of population on the Olympic stage and um, I suspect continues to do so on the Commonwealth Games stage as well. I think what has occurred through the narrowing of focus and targeting of success um, through Sparks investment around a lesser number of sports, what we see is not perhaps the breadth of results as we might have once seen in New Zealand. We see a lot more resource being invested in fewer sports and, and they tend to be the sports that are getting the results. Doesn't that a little bit go against what the Olympics is trying to achieve though, in a way? Yeah, it's a real, really challenging question, isn't it? It's that trade-off between people having the opportunity to attend and, and all of the benefits that go with, with that versus the desire of the public and, and you know, New Zealanders to, to see success. And um, it's, a, it's a really tough tough one for New Zealand as a small country with such big aspirations. So always trade-offs around you know, ensuring that we target resources to get success, but also allow other individuals with you know, really exceptional talent to come through the system, which is obviously what the New Zealand Academy of Sport and Spark work at. Uh, you, you talked about how the NZOC doesn't get a lot of funding from government. I mean, is lobbying going to be a part of uh, what you see you might have to do in the next few years? Yeah, I mean, obviously I've got to, you know, work, working that through with the board, um, you know, really haven't had the opportunity to do that, but I know it's, um, you know, in terms of it's a real priority for them to secure the financial future of the organisation, and that will, I suspect, be quite a multi-pronged attack, and, um, and, and working through various funding channels, whether in New Zealand or internationally, will be a priority. In your release, it says that you see some challenges coming up. Are there going to be, would you like to see any changes or is it a matter of just sustaining the status quo in some way? I mean, 
in high performance sport, you can't sustain the status quo. You really need to be keeping to aspire to to take the next level. But I think around um, my observation around the whole games team um, preparation and the environment that's created for athletes and coaches and the like, there's you know really good feedback around that, and the and the NZOC is doing a you know really good job in that area. But you've got to go to the next level, and we've got to be looking at ways to do that. Simply because the rest of the world's moving and the athletes are moving, so. It is important to keep look to the future and, and be very contemporary in your approaches and creating the right environment there. Is that uh, following the likes of, uh, say, of Australia, or what, what they're achieving? Yeah, I mean, New Zealand, New Zealand sport in that context is benchmarking regularly against our, um, you know, our foes and friends around the world to ensure that we are on track in those types of programs. And, and I mean, you know, I, I'm not intricately yet involved in understanding of the entire processes within the Olympic Committee, but it's certainly something that, that I would be looking to do to make sure we are benchmarking against the world's best organisations and uh, reviewing and ensuring our practices are as good as they can be. Because, you know, from what I have seen and heard, I mean, a lot of New Zealand sports are doing very well in the way that they administer themselves and plan and the likes. So really, it seems it just comes down to money, you know, to be able to do anything more. Well, and expertise, you know. It's, um, so, yes, I mean, to me, you know, your resources are about... Uh, certainly money plays a really important part in that. But you also have to have people in critical roles with the skills and capability the influence and capacity to actually do what's required to be at a, at a world-class level. So, you know, that, that's a really important part of your resources is your human resources and um, in creating the right networks to, to leverage money and to, um, you know, I, I guess to create influence bigger than New Zealand. That's New Zealand Olympic Committee Secretary-General Karen Smith and she'll take up the role in January, just 18 months out from the London Olympics replacing Barry Maester, who steps down at the end of the year. He's been appointed a member of the International Olympic Committee. You're listening to Extra Time, a web-only programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. The Southland rugby side's hoping to end its provincial season on a high after a rollercoaster ride over the past few months. They started with five straight wins in the national provincial competition, the ITM Cup, and won eight of their first nine games However, they've lost their last three, including the Ranfurly Shield. They'll finish at least seventh in the standings. Co-coach Simon Culhane, who's off to the Highlanders next year, spoke to Barry Guy ahead of their match against Wellington, and says he doesn't want to analyse things too much just yet. It's probably a little bit early for, for looking back on the season. You don't get a chance this time of the year. We're um, obviously um, not long between games, so you've got to focus on the next game. So having looked back, obviously... Um, a little bit disappointed that we haven't managed to um, to to kick on. We've put ourselves in a good position, you know, with four or five games to go. But um, unfortunately, didn't didn't kick on. Um, yeah, now they haven't really had a, too long to dwell into as to why. Um, got our suspicions and and so forth, but unable to put any fingers on on anything in particular at the moment. Uh, needing a what, a big so like a bonus point win this weekend really to have any chance of making the top four. Yeah, and unfortunately we're relying on others to, um, to you know, to, to lose, and, that, and that's never a good position to be in. We always like to be, you know, in control of, of what's happening, and obviously we are, we've, we've got to be with her, you know, obviously getting a win, which would be, you know, put us in the hunt, but still relying on others, which isn't great. Uh, has losing the Shield played any part of it, you think? Um, no, I don't think so. Obviously, um, 
well, we've yeah, obviously never having the shield and never the shield before, and, and never knowing what it was like to lose it. We, you know, I guess um, we've just heard in the past there can be hangovers from the shield and so forth, but um, it was never a major focus of as as a, as a you know a squad. It was to um, obviously we had goals of being in the ITM Cup finals and um, still very slim chance to do that. So um, yeah, like I said, our, our focus wasn't the shield and. Um, but I, I guess, you know, when we look back on the season, we'll, we'll, um, we'll try and find out what, what was the reason for our, um, I guess, they not kicking on in this season. So what are you looking for? A little bit more consistency? A bit, a bit of more polish or something? Um, I don't think we could fold our consistency in, um, in, in, in our guys' defence. Um, they've given a lot this year. I don't think we could have asked them to give any more. And um, the, the effort they were putting in... Um, you know, 15 men every or 22 men every week to um, to um, to play at that high level week in week out. You know, test matches with shields and so forth. Um, I think that's possibly one of the reasons it may have taken its toll. Um, obviously, we didn't have have the strike. We haven't got the strike power of some of them other sides. Um, and, and you know, we've got to play chess for the side to beat it. And um, you know, we can't rely on one or two players to simply rip the game apart like other sides possibly can. Uh, strike power is uh, perhaps something that um, you know uh, Wellington has a bit of, and they possibly turned in their best performance of the season last weekend. Uh, your thoughts on, on on that effort by them? Yeah, they did. I was pretty impressed with the way they played. Um, I guess they they won't have a couple of boys that they had last week, you know, playing for them this week. So that's that's I guess a little bonus for, for us. But they are a dangerous side. They play a um, a good brand of football. They um, and can be and can punish you from turnovers with the strike power they have. They've got um I guess small power players than what we've got, but um you know, we're we're a team that has to twenty two after front up week, you know, and, and not be on you know, you have to be on top of their game. So that's it. You need a hundred percent from all twenty two. Correct, yes. Um and um I think for ninety percent of the season we've been getting that. And our boys have um and you know Played to their best ability and um, and fronted up week in week out. So. Anything about uh, wanting to you know show the fans something that possibly could be your last game at home? Oh, without doubt. Um, the, the you know our crowd's been a you know a, a huge part of of and our support, I guess, of of why Southland's performed so well and and, and um, they they want to repay that face that they've shown in us. So yeah, no, the boys are definitely looking for a big one and um, and that'll that'll be happening, I'm sure. And uh, have you told them all that, you know, because you're at the Highlanders next year, that they could be playing for positions there also? Well, I think they're well aware of that. Um, I don't think I need to mention that. Um, obviously, this time of the year, there's a lot of um, contract talk and that going on and um can be a bit of a distraction, so I um, tend to shy away from that. Obviously, communicate with the players that are um, that are um, possibly in contention and that, but um, yeah, no, they're smart enough to work things out for themselves, I think. Have you been surprised at all at the competition this year? I mean, you looked in the first few rounds, and you know there was a bit. It looked a bit sort of uh, well. Besides yourself, who's had some consistency in recent years, you know some of the other teams are up there. But now at the business end, you're still looking at the main centres, perhaps up there, really, aren't they? Yeah, that, yeah, I guess they are. Um, and like I alluded to before, the, they've, they've got, um, I guess, um, crunch players, and we're able to um, depth. I guess is, is one key area that they have too. Obviously, um, they have the ability to, to rest players, um, and, and we haven't probably done that as, or 
We've had a bit of ability to do it, and we, we chose not to at times, and whether that was right or wrong, we're not sure either. So, um, yeah, the big centres are firing, that's, a, that's for sure. Canterbury leading the way, you'd expect them perhaps to be defending their title? Um, yeah, they're, they're, you know, obviously um, the five pair have, they have all around the park, um, you know, puts them in good stead, and they've been consistent, although they, they, um, I guess they've, you could say they timed their run to, to the to the playoffs. Um, I guess had a little bit of inconsistency in in um, earlier rounds and dropped a few games. And and um, I guess their ability to score tries has helped them, and and our ability has probably cost us with as far as bonus points go. And we've won just as many games, if not more, than them guys in the finals. And uh, but we haven't picked up bonus points, and and that may be hurting us as well. That's Southland rugby co-coach Simon Culhane talking to Barry Guy. Still with rugby, after 20 years, Warren Allen is stepping down from his role with Waikato Rugby. Who, you might ask, is Warren Allen and what does he do at the Waikato Rugby Union? Well, Warren Allen, a.k.a. Possum, is the bloke with the chainsaw at Rugby Park in Hamilton, revving it into life when Waikato score. But the Waikato-Canterbury Games, his last atop the cherry picker, deciding it's time for a more sedate life in the stands. I asked him how he got started. My business partner at the time, he was a passionate rugby man. And uh, he just said to me one day, he says, Look, mate, uh, we've got this cherry picker, we've got the Ramfury Shield. How about we take it down for the parade and uh, get into it? And I said, Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a good idea, mate. You know? And then he said, Well, you know, there's a game afterwards. I said, Is there really? He goes, Yeah, yeah, we should go to the game and park outside and watch it. So, so basically, he gave me the idea. And then uh, it carried on. I just thoroughly enjoyed it and enjoyed the passion and enjoyed the flavour of the work at it. 20 years, does it Does it seem like 20 years? I suppose in the last sort of five years, it's been sort of feeling like 20 years, but um, it flew pretty fast, I must admit. I must admit that chainsaw was quite good because I started off with no chainsaw, uh, just with Merle Bell. And then one day they actually had the uh, chainsaw ad in the Waikato and I was playing a chainsaw and playing the chainsaw to the tune of the Mulu. And uh, I thought, mate, I can do that on my chainsaw. And that's how the chainsaw got into it. So probably first two years we didn't have it. Uh, just Mulu bells, and then once the ad hit the Waikato, mate, that's it. I had the chainsaw go there at every game. But um, even the Argentina, I remember when Argentina played the Old Blacks, and um, in the old days, the corporate stands were actually right in front of my truck. <laughs> so you can just imagine the corporate stand, mate, with the on the chainsaw, revving its guts out, and the officers going, shut that bloody thing off, where? And then you hear the police standing right beside the tent, smiling at me, I think it's a big joke. I was talking with Warren Allen, a.k.a. Possum, the bloke with the chainsaw at Rugby Park in Hamilton. And that's extra time for this week. Remember, your feedback's welcome. You can email us at sport at radionz.co.nz. And you can get the latest sport anytime on our website. I'm Stephen Hewson. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.